Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. What have you sacrificed for that customer recently? Have you made a sacrifice that's either cost you money as an organization or time? Because if you want customers for the long term, just like in a marriage, you've got to make some form of sacrifice. It's got to be two-way. Loyalty is not just a behavior that people engage in. And if you treat it as if it is, you're, you're missing the entire point. To get loyal customers, you've got to work at it. It is not a question of, I've got this customer, woohoo, they're going to be loyal for the rest of their lives. And that's the danger with that mentality. So Ryan, I'm going to start this podcast by asking you a personal question. Okay, I'm ready. Who are you loyal to? Oh, that's that's a good question. I'm sure you're expecting me to say something like family and friends, but the, the honest answer is my favorite chainsaw brand is who I'm loyal to. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm loyal to, yes, mostly my family. And then the, the few people my lawyers have agreed to allow me to call friends. Yes. <laughs> And it's interesting because I've been doing this stuff for years, as you're aware. And this is a question I love asking because I think loyalty is one of the most overused phrases in business today and invariably means customers give us all their money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's not. So today we're going to talk about the five rules that will absolutely build customer loyalty. So the five rules which will absolutely build customer loyalty. So let me let me follow on with my question, Ryan. So if I said to you, I've got this really great family, they're a lot cheaper to run than your existing family, <laughs> would you fancy swapping? Maybe we should stop the recording here. <laughs> I'm not going to... Let's, let's hear you out, Colin. Um, do you have more details <laughs> about this family? Everyone normally laughs, okay, uh, when, I, know, when it, I do that. That, that so. puts it into perspective, though, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, you, it does. you and I have joked about our, our loyalty to terrible sports teams before, but it, that kind of gets to the point of it. You know, you're not, you're not going to swap them out, even if they lose every year, yeah. because they do so lose it, every year. It's not a functional decision. The, yeah. the fact that, that, that I've got this family that, that are a lot cheaper to run than your existing family, then <laughs> Look, it, it's they're not, just a know. more efficient family. I don't know if you <laughs> Want an upgrade. The interesting thing is you always get one person when I'm I'm doing a speech or something like that, you always get one person that puts their hands up and says, oh, I'm interested. (laughs) So let's get into the rules. Let's let's go through these five rules which will absolutely build customer loyalty. So I'm excited. This is a good list. It is. It's a very good list. I I think it's a good list. So the first rule is think long-term. To me, there are just so many organizations that are driven by quarterly reporting, that are driven by the profits for this year or the sales figures for this year, and that don't think long term. And if you are talking truly about customer loyalty, 
you need to think long term. Does that make sense? It does. I've, I've got a story if you're ready for it. Yeah, go. A few years ago, Wells Fargo, which is a, a big retail bank in, in the US, was discovered that they were putting all kinds of pressure on their salespeople to get clients to sign up for additional services for which they could charge fees. The pressure was so intense that the word essentially came down that they should do anything they need to to get people to sign up. And so a lot of these sales folks were just signing people up against their will. So you would just find an, an additional charge that started showing up in your monthly bill. And these charges were small enough that a lot of people did not notice them. And so Wells Fargo was just raking in all this extra cash. Their their stock price was going up. They were getting all kinds of praise from, from investors. It was great, but it was very, very much short-term thinking because they were found out eventually. They had to pay all these fines. And the damage to the bank's brand has just been massive. Enormous, yeah. Yeah. And it's especially sad because in the south, southeastern part of the US, we started banking with Wachovia, who had stellar reputation for customer service. My my wife wife is from the southeast originally, and she would talk about this this bank before we even moved there. Um like people were just so loyal to it and loved it so much. They were bought up by by Wells Fargo and it just it destroyed so much of that inherent loyalty value because of exactly this problem. They weren't thinking long-term, like what happens eventually when people find out about these nickel and dime charges? Like what, what's going to be the long-term cost of that? And it was massive. Yes. It was just massive. Yes, absolutely. And part of that could just be, you know, people don't stay in their jobs long enough and they know they're not yeah. going to stay in their jobs long enough, etc. We used to bank with Wycovia as well. And there is a stark difference, basically. Yeah. But thinking long-term and the, the analogy I'd like to draw with people, which I think is relevant, is that of marriage, okay? Because as I started to, to to think about it, I was thinking I've been married to my good lady wife now for nearly 40 years. And when you think about marriage, it starts off with vows. Effectively, it's like, you know, like I don't know, it's not, not the brand, but, you know, this is what we're going to do. You know, this is what I'm promising you, you know. And then there's a commitment there. You know it's not short term. You know, and I think that the the key thing is here is that thinking longer term puts a different perspective on things, because I think the other thing is that, and this goes back to marriage as as well as it does with customers, you got to work at it to get loyal customers. You got to work at it. It is not a question of I've got this customer, woohoo! They're going to be loyal <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Right. Now we've got them. You know. Yeah. And that's the danger with that mentality, because like in a marriage, and I guess this is why people get divorced as well, is that over a period of time, things can change. So unless you work at it, unless you you adapt and unless you come up with new things and unless you compromise and all those other wonderful things, you're not going to get loyal customers. They may be loyal to start off with, or they may be with you, let me be clear, to start off with, but they're not going to stay with you for that long. I love it. And I think the parallels telling, right? I mean, there's a lot of short-term gain to be had within a relationship by just taking advantage of your partner, kind of letting them do more of the work and, you know, letting them do favors for you and all this kind of stuff. And over time, that's just going to create a very toxic relationship and is not going to lead to long-term success. Which nicely leads into rule number two, which is remember loyalty is two-way. 
Yeah. Yep. And therefore, I think we've just started to talk about it. So some of that is, for me, is you've got to compromise. Yes. Customer loyalty for me means that it's not just the organization taking everything from you. They've got to give you something back. You know, you've got to feel that they understand you. So it's give and take. Uh, and, and I'm not sure if this works, this idiom works in America, but swings and roundabouts, does that work? Uh, no. No. Okay. But but please explain it because British idioms are charming as all get out. <laughs> well, this is just a simple one, which is playground. The, the phrase is, I think it's something like, what you gain on the swings, you lose on the roundabouts. So it's basically just to turn around and say, it's give and take, you know? Yes. And in that relationship, creating a loyal customer means that sometimes, and here's an interesting thing, and maybe this is a really interesting question, actually, which is, you know, what have you sacrificed for that customer recently? Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. You know, have you made a sacrifice that's either cost you money as an organization or time, or have you done something for that customer or or that group of customers? Because if you want customers for the long term, just like in a marriage, you've got to make some form of sacrifice. It's got to be two-way. Yeah, I'd love it. I mean, I liked your definition that some companies use that you mentioned at the start, which is that loyal customers are the ones that give us all their money. That's the same, you know, by that definition, then um, victims are loyal to their thieves. You know, (laughs) it's not a relationship at that point. I love the idea of asking yourself about sacrifice that you've committed to on behalf of your customers. I I was friends with a a sales guy and he said that the big thing that turned around a relationship with a client was once when the client called him in a panic on a Saturday and he answered the phone from the ski slopes. And they said, we know it's, you're not working today, but we've got this problem. And he, he left the ski slopes and he said, all right, I'm I'm coming down. We're going to fix this. They were a loyal customer to him for 20 years after that, because They yes. knew that he had sacrificed and he did so cheerfully. I mean, he wasn't, you know, grumbling about it and made them feel guilty. He was like, look, I'm your partner in this. This is not an everyday thing. This is a problem. Let's let's fix it. And that created so much loyalty over the long term because it was viewed as, as a two-way relationship. And I think that's a really good example because in my view, when someone's got a problem, that's an opportunity to really build that customer loyalty. And to help them because they remember those things, you know, they remember things when they're in, in desperate straits or, or whatever. As I was preparing for this, I started to think about some of the opposites. So in other words, what isn't two way and what is not thinking long term. So it's things like new customers only, you know, this offer is available to new customers only. So you've signed up with us. We, you know, you're a loyal customer, but actually we're not going to give you the best price despite the fact that we, we think, you know, we'd like to class you as loyal. Over the last few days, I've been having a dash cam installed in my car from a company called DRAC, Royal Automobile Company, I think it is. They're a bit like the AAA in the States. And if you haven't listened to our podcast on third-party experiences, mm-hmm. you need to listen to it <laughs> because this is a classic example of I ordered this dash cam so the RAC are selling me the dash cam, but they're getting somebody else to install it. And I'm spending all my time talking to the installation crew and having problems and blah, 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 blah. The point I'm trying to make is 
when I contacted the RAC about the problems that I've been having, you know, they weren't really interested. It was tough luck. And I've you know, been a member there for years, basically. And that sort of led me on to thinking about, are you getting your customers, loyal customers, to jump through hoops? You know, how much work do they have to put in to be a customer? Yeah. The other one that I thought earlier, and, and it goes back to your example of in the B2B, is that personal relationship. So I remember when I was back in corporate life and the B2B side, one of the things that customers hated more than anything was when you changed their account managers, you know, because they'd spent years building up a relationship with somebody. They knew how the, what they do. They knew that they could phone them up on the on the ski slope and they would answer to a problem. But if you change your, your account manager every six months or year or whatever it may be, that really upsets customers and, and really declines customer loyalty. Everyone has business problems. Everyone would like them solved. And what better way than asking two experts to weigh in on what to do? This is the essence of a new spot we have in the show called I'm in a Pickle. All we want you to do is to email us with your problems and Ryan and I will give you our best advice of what to do to resolve them. Hey Ryan, I'm really glad we're doing this, mate, because I've had this ingrained tone now for some time and I'm not certain what to do. Colin, let me stop you. We've discussed before no toenail discussions on the podcast. (laughs) Not your personal problems, business problems. It could be, how do you get your senior management to be more engaged in customer experience? How can you reduce the level of churn you have with customers? Or something specific, like how you should set the pricing for a service. And if you want to be anonymous, that's absolutely fine. We will simply look at all the problems and come up with the answers. So just email us at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com and outline the problem. And Brian, are you sure we can't sort out my ingrown toenail? Uh, Well, Colin, you know I do have a machete collection, so maybe we can. (laughs) Rule number three, and this is a big one, and I know that as soon as I say this, you're going to jump on me. I am. I'm I'm, I'm prepared. I'm like poised. Go ahead. So rule number three, don't mistake inertia for loyalty. Okay, I'm going to stand back, Ryan, take over. Stand out of the way, Colin, so you don't get injured. I don't want... (laughs) No, this is is my big hobby horse when it comes to loyalty. I think that far too often firms treat loyalty as, as a purely behavioral phenomenon. So you are loyal to the extent that you buy from us and you continue to buy from us and you buy a lot from us. That's loyalty. And I suggest that that purely behavioral measures make loyalty indistinguishable from inertia, indistinguishable from habit. There are lots of reasons why somebody might buy from you regularly. To a certain extent, they're all good. Like it's great if people are buying from you, but Loyalty is not just a behavior that people engage in. And if you treat it as if it is, you're, you're missing the entire point. You're, you're welcome to, to step back in, Colin. I've, I've gone through my... Thank you. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, in fact, I was sitting here thinking earlier today, I was thinking, which companies do I regularly deal with that if 
somebody came along with a better offer tomorrow, would I move? Yes. Okay. And obviously, one of the ones that immediately came to my mind was my cable company. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So the the danger is is because where I live in Sarasota, there's only choice of two. You know, and I've been with both. I'm not loyal to either of them. I'm with one of them at the moment. But you know, if somebody came along and said we provide a better service for you, better experience for you, and even if I had to pay more money, to be honest with you, I'd move tomorrow as long as I felt that and they actually performed in the the right way. But to my cable company, to your point, if I've been with them for ten years, they're going, "Hi, oh, he's a loyal customer." Yep. On paper, you are loyal, even though you yeah. hate them. Yes, absolutely. The danger is, is there are lots of organizations that are around there. So another one I thought of was airlines. Yes. Does the airline fly to, and, and therefore it's, you know, are they in a monopoly situation in some way or duopoly situation? So does it fly at the, the place you want to go at a time you want at a price? Yeah. So, you know, if I looked at some of the budget airlines, one of the airlines in Europe, one of the biggest ones is uh, Ryanair. Now, there are lots of people that fly with Ryanair, but talk very badly about them. And the only reason they stay with them or fly with them is because they're very cheap, basically. So, you know, they put up with it. But are they loyal customers? If somebody came along with the same price and a better experience, if you could transport Southwest Airlines and stick it in Europe, you know, the same pricing structure and everything else, I'm sure people would flock to Southwest because of just the way that they would be treated. It's looking at those things. And I guess it's the issue for me is it's, do they take people for granted? Do they take their customers for granted? You know, and we obviously did the, the recent podcasts on customer centricity, which is worth people looking at. But are people being taken for granted? I think it's a great point. Yeah. A lot of firms create things that they call loyalty programs that don't actually generate loyalty. Right. So your airline example is is one. You know, a lot of people belong to these loyalty programs for their airline. Frequent fly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. yeah all the reward points, etc. I mean, it's just another way of giving them a physical price. That's right. That's right. And and they're not bad. Like I I fly Delta almost exclusively because I live in Atlanta and a large part of it is this rewards program that they have. But to your point, if if another airline started offering me deals that were as good, I would jump in a heartbeat because, you know, my experience with Delta has been generally good, you know, but yeah. I'm not loyal to them in the way that I am to some other brands because it's been largely transactional. You know, they they give me a good price and a good experience for, you know, in exchange for these rewards for flying with them. But it's all it's all based on that kind of utility calculation, which, which is not bad. I do fly with Delta, but they should not mistake that for loyalty, which is is not strictly transactional. But what I think is that it, it shows that these organizations that are mistaking inertia for loyalty are open to disruption. Yes. Are open to somebody coming along thinking in a completely different way. And if you layer on that internet, if you layer on that pandemic, and when I say pandemic, what I mean is customers' expectations changing, their habits changing, the way they do things changing. Large disruptions. 
yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's ripe at the moment for for someone to come in and to eat somebody's dinner, basically. And I'm, the, the, you know, that's happening in a, a number of places. It's a good point. I mean, before we move on to number four, just really quick, the reason that you care whether it's loyalty versus habit or inertia is precisely because of what Colin just said. If it's habit or inertia, and there's a disruption, then you know all of that goes away, and people may may choose another provider or, or go in a different direction. If it's loyalty, though, then they're more likely to stay with you through these disruptions that come along. That's why you care. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, good. Well summarized. Number four, loyalty is a function of memory. Okay, so number three was my hobby horse. Now I'm going to stand back <laughs> and let Colin <laughs> blow up. Yeah, so I'm not going to go into this in any great detail because I've done so many times before. But it would be remiss of me to talk about what absolutely builds customer loyalty without mentioning this. So the fascinating thing for me, and for those people that haven't heard this, the fascinating thing for me is that if you think about it, you can't be loyal to something that you haven't experienced. And therefore, it's about memory. It's about going back. It's remembering that I like this restaurant or whatever else. So loyalty is a function of memory. And we'll put in the show notes a link to a couple of the uh, podcasts that we've done on that in, in the past. So just to try to condense this, a guy called Professor Daniel Kahneman talked about how people remember things. He talks about the peak end rule, which basically means that what people, how people remember things is they remember the peak emotion that they felt and they remember the end emotion that they felt. So the peak end rule. And that peak could be positive or that peak can be negative. Therefore, by definition, you need to think about, well, where is the peak in my experience? And what emotion are we trying to evoke at these? Where is the end of my experience, which may sound a bit strange, but you know, if you're in a B2B relationship where you've you, there isn't an end, so it's not like I'm going to go in and buy a computer and then walk out the store and that's the end of the experience. If you're dealing with an account manager in that company and you're dealing with them 10, for 10 years, the big experience may never end, but there are obviously lots of little experiences that, that, that somebody has. So I'm not going to bang on about it, but loyalty is a function of memory, and you have to remember that, and therefore you have to think about how memories formed. I love it. The first item on our list, long-term thinking, is about kind of forward-looking behavior for the the firm. You know, memory is this backward-looking behavior from the perspective of the customer. Customers' loyalty is based on their previous experiences and how they remember those experiences. So, are you building that into your loyalty plan? Absolutely. So that leads on then to rule number five. Rule number five is it's about emotions, stupid. So <laughs> the whole thing for me is that when you say to somebody, as we did with you at the beginning, you know, who are you loyal to? The reality is, is that there is an emotional attachment to the people that we are loyal to. So I know that my wife, my kids, who I love immensely, can drive me around the bend sometimes, you know, but I still love them. Okay. So I can do, they can do negative things to me, but I still love them because I'm loyal to them. So loyalty is an emotion. Okay. It's not a transactional thing. 
you have a loyalty, you have an emotional attachment to people. So that begs the question, which again, we've posed before, which again, we'll add in the show notes. But what emotions are you trying to evoke in your customers? And what emotions would drive loyalty? Okay, another key question. The good news is we've answered some of this. I wrote a book in um, 2007 called The DNA of Customer Experience, How Emotions Drive Value. And we discovered that there are 20 emotions that drive and destroy value. And some of the ones that drive loyalty, and again, we can statistically show this, are things like feeling happy, feeling pleased, trust, cared for, valued. Those types of emotions are statistically shown that they will drive loyalty. Yeah. And that's the key. So you've got to define, well, which emotion are we trying to evoke? And moreover, how are we going to evoke those emotions going forward? And which of those emotions drive most value to us? I I love it. I mean, if we talk about the difference between habit and inertia on one side and loyalty on the other, I think the key difference is emotion right? Uh, Loyalty is about a relationship and relationships are built on these emotional exchanges, these emotional experiences. So if you've got a loyalty plan that is purely transactional, and I've got bad news for you, it's not actually loyalty. It needs to have this kind of relational, this emotional component to it. And I've talked about this before, but the the way that I've, uh, the example I always use here is the emotional bank account. So Stephen Covey wrote a great book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he talks about the having an emotional bank account. So, you know, an emotional bank account is where you've done something for your customer and you've put a deposit into that emotional bank account. So your example, again, Ryan, really good example, that customer would have put a lot of credits into your friend's emotional bank account. So if your friend screws up in a couple of weeks' time and didn't do something they were meant to or the service went down, or yes, does it take away from that emotional bank account? Yes, it does. But it's not getting into a negative deficit is the key. Yeah. So you really got to think about building up, and, th- and that plays into, when I think about it, the other ones, which is remember that loyalty is two-way. So you've got to make some deposits in that emotional bank account. Remember that it's longer term. So you have to think longer term. So how am I going to make deposits into this emotional bank account? And if you haven't made a deposit into that emotional bank account recently, the danger is is you don't know where that customer is. And the danger is, is they're going to defect to somebody else or the deposit may be so low that if somebody else comes along with a better offer they turn around and go yeah actually i'm I'm going so it is actually based around inertia rather than true lot okay we hope that's been of use to you if you have any questions if you're in a pickle about anything then don't forget that we are running this i'm in a pickle part of the show where we will take people's problems and we'll try to give you some answers around them all you need to do is to drop us an email at contact at beyondphilosophy.com contact at beyondphilosophy.com and we look forward to talking to you next week thanks very much everyone see ya 
This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.